I'm Sean from Arfield Rugby Media. This is Simeon, also known as the Tixel Crew. Hi guys, I'm Murray, also known as Plus Four Rugby HQ. And welcome to Season 2 of the Rugby Connection Podcast. Hope you're ready for it. For the fans, by the fans. Hello and welcome to the final episode of 2021 of the Rugby Connection Podcast. The usual suspects are not here this week. Simeon's back in Wales, Sean's on the night shift, Harvey's at the bloody football and Kyle has family matters. So we've drawn in a replacement from Uneducated Rugby. We have Carwin with us. Thank you for coming on the show, mate. How, how are we getting on? Yeah, no, it's an absolute pleasure, mate. I've, you know, I've had several of you on, pretty much all of you bar Harvey now on the pod, on my podcast. So it's, it's a great to have the opportunity of coming on yours, seeing how you do things. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, I'm, I'm doing well. I'm, I'm missing rugby. I'm missing week-to-week rugby. You know, last week was a bit a bit strange, wasn't it? With, what was it, four games in the end? Four. Uh, yeah, well, one got given and four, five have been postponed. Yeah. Well, but we, we we, before we actually get into the results, I want to talk about this because tell me the EPCR is corrupt without telling me they're corrupt because... You can't gift a win to Montpellier over Leinster and the same for Pau over Saracens in the Challenge Cup. But if it affects a French club because of COVID, it's all right, it's postponed, we'll go again at a later date. Can't do that. There is a difference, okay? I understand the difference is like there's a legal element to the, the French sides not being able to come to the UK. I get that. Mm-hmm. But as a Welshman at the moment, like the Welsh are fuming about it. It is so dodgy. Like Ospreys, for instance, they had their game can- uh, postponed, well, cancelled actually. Cancelled, yeah, uh, 20 Away at Racing. I think they declared that they had COVID cases. And then two hours before the deadline, or two hours before it was declared that there was a postponement of the French fixtures, yeah. um, the EPCR came out and said, yeah, uh, Ospreys are taking a forfeit. Now, it just doesn't sit well with me. It's so bad. And, you know, that's before I discuss the issues with Cardiff and Scarlet. That's that's even worse, in my opinion. Um, I don't want to rant too much about it. I spoke to you before, actually. I said, look, if I get off on this, I may go off on one. So it could be quite dangerous. <laughs> so just for people that don't, aren't aware, if you've been, like, hiding under a rock this week, <laughs> obviously COVID is just a pain in the arse that will not go away. Yeah. And it's back to affecting sport. I'm looking at it here. Montpellier, 28-0 win over Leinster. Let's be honest, that's never going to happen. No. No. Racing, getting a BP win over Ospreys. That was going to happen anyway. Sorry, Carwin. It, no, I, just, I, I, I can accept it, yeah. I think it would have been a nice game. But then this is where it gets really interesting. Bath versus La Rochelle has been postponed. Sale versus Claremont has been postponed. Scarlet's Bordeaux, Toulouse hosting Wasps has been uh, postponed, and Stade Francais hosting Bristol Bears has also been postponed. What's yeah. the difference? Well, I think the the difference is that they weren't stupid enough to declare they had COVID cases. I genuinely think that's what it is. Well, Whereas Ospreys, is well. Ospreys declared it. Um, you know, the the biggest. The biggest complaint I think sides can have is with Scarlets, Scarlets and Cardiff especially, Scarlets especially, because 
a week ago, um, Scarless, they were supposed to be playing at home, uh, sorry, up in Bristol. They had to take a 28-0 loss because they couldn't feel the sides due to the fact that they'd flown out to South Africa and then yeah. had to quarantine, didn't have a full site. Uh, they asked for postponement. I don't know if you've seen this, but following that, the Heineken Champions Cup, EPCR, they tweeted, we fully appreciate that this is not a route many will want to take. However, following an extensive review with all parties, postponement of the matches is unfortunately not a viable option due to the extremely busy rugby calendar. But then there's 2.5 last week. Yeah. They said that a week ago. And then a week later, they say the complete opposite, which that's that's why I genuinely cannot work out how that 28-0 win that Bristol had against Scarlet will stand. Yeah. Because how can you not appeal that? How can you not say, well, you told us we couldn't postpone. And then a week later, you've given a postponement. How, you know, it's not, it wasn't Scarlet's fault. It wasn't Cardiff's fault. It wasn't Munster's fault. I know no, Munster, no. Won, Munster won in the end, but I'm baffled by it. I'm I, I sort of fell completely out of <laughs> disillusion with the competition because it is a bit farcical in that, to be fair. Don't get me wrong, if you can get like European nights, full goal, it's part of the best part of the rugby season. But right. when you start, if you just went, all the games that are not on, if it's not your fault, you get a BP win. Fine. That's what they did the last time. Yeah. It angered a lot of people, but we understood it. Yeah. But now they're now they're nitpicking, saying you are punished. You can try again at a later date, and I'm just I don't get where the cause. I'm I'm not being funny. The, like some of the games that have been postponed this week, like Scarlets. If you're doing it to protect Scarlets, they're not going to win the Champions Cup. No, well, especially when they've had to take a twenty-eight nil loss the week before. Yeah. yeah. Like Toulouse defending champions getting a postponement instead of a a BP win or taking a BP loss is that seems very protected. It it seems like they've gone they've spoken to the French sides and discussed it. The interesting one is Leon. I think Leon went to Dragons on Friday and yep. they then flew back on the Friday night, beating the I think it was a Saturday morning deadline that the French government had set that, that, that they weren't allowed to fly into the UK. And that game continued. Leon won with a bonus point. So it's all it's all happy days. You know, it's no complaints there. Mm. But if if Leon go over there and then get stuck in the UK, possibly can't fly back until the week after, what happens then? Do you know, it, it seemed... It really didn't sit well with me. Um, I... I, I there's another little bit that they say as well in the in the statement. I don't know if you've seen this, but part of the statement declares that the 28 nil losses that the sides have had is yeah. um, not a sanction. That's the quote I want to use. So a sanction being like, we're going to penalise you for doing something wrong. And like, my understanding is, if you've got COVID in camp, I know you can't really blame anyone, but it's kind of your fault. I suppose I can, I can, so I can understand why the sides are then penalised for having COVID. Yeah, no, I, I, I do get that, but again, you can't blame people. I, I get, I do, I get where you're coming from, though, but that's uh, that's a tricky one. But if you're going to call, if you're going to say it's not a sanction and it's just to get the games, like get results in the games, which is what they're claiming, is it's just to make sure that every game is accounted for. That's again a quote. Then. 
why are these games not accounted for, the ones that you postponed this week? It just seems very inconsistent and to suit a couple of clubs as opposed to all. Yeah, no, I, I agree. We'll leave it at that because I feel yeah, like sorry. it could be a whole, just basically EPR, EPCR, sort your shit out. Yeah. Anyway, there was there was a handful of games that actually went ahead this weekend and we were in for a treat. Ulster against Northampton Saints. Yeah. It was one hell of a game. I thought I thought Ulster would run away with this and it did look like they were going to because I think they got the bonus point quite early on, didn't they? Um, and then Northampton came back into it in the last 20 minutes-ish, was it? Yeah, it's the most like Saints thing ever. Yeah, <laughs> you can't win the game anymore, so you come back into it. Just go for it, yeah. Um, no, they didn't have it early on, actually. It was 19-12 at halftime. Yeah. 27-22 full-time to Ulster. But, I mean, Ethan McElroy off the wing with that filthy, filthy step. The step oh. is dirty. The step um, is dirty. Simeon will be happy with us. James Hume. If he's not in the Six Nations squad, you've done something wrong. He's special. He is. He really yes. is special. And like, I love McCluskey. I've never understood why McCluskey gets so little um, game time for Ireland. Like, I know Aki and Henshaw are insane players, but I thought before, certainly before Aki became um, able to play for Ireland, I thought he could possibly get a look in there, but. Yeah, with Hume as well. Hume looks something special in that 13 channel. Um, what I'm wondering about this, what do you make of uh, Ulster's decision right at the death not to go for points? Because they had a penalty in the 80th minute. They could have gone for posts, which would have taken the bonus point away from Northampton Saints. Do you think that's missed opportunity for Ulster somewhat? Or do you just think in the new format, those you know, allowing sides to get bonus points don't matter as much? I don't actually think it matters as much. Yeah. In the grand scheme. I don't think a losing bonus point, unless it's like two losing bonus points, then yeah, that's a totally different. Yeah. yeah. But <clears throat> I think it was always going to be a close game, Ulster Northampton. So same, I think Saints will happily take the losing bonus point oh, from, yeah. from the Kingspan. But since you're talking about wasted opportunities, Monster versus Cast at Thumman Park. Okay. I finished 1913. Fine. Monster got the win. I actually thought Monster would have scored a lot more than that. But yeah. Cast had a penalty when the clock went red. And all they had to do was kick for touch and like, get a line out and keep going. And they tapped it and kicked off the park. I, I, I mentioned the opposite earlier. Like, would you want to take a bonus point away from a side? And this is the problem with bonus points. Like, if you're having a game of rugby and a side is happy to go go and take a losing bonus points as opposed to play for the win, it's ridiculous, isn't it? It's, it's just baffling. I just don't get it because I'm really I'm really miffed at that because Cast put, well, push Harlequins like, to the brink in round one. Why not go for it? Why not get the big... Like, there's... Why not get the big upset in Europe, be the talk of the week and beat Munster and Munster? Yeah, and especially considering the way what's going on at Munster, like, you know, the, I don't want to go back into it, but obviously the, the COVID situation that they had pre, pre-tournament pre and then yeah. the 
that they're possibly under strength or you know lacking a few players here and then. You certainly want to take advantage of that. I think to kick the ball out is just it just reminds me of uh, Botica. Every, this reminds me of Botica. I don't know if you remember this. Harlequins, I think they were playing Montpellier. It's in like 79th minute. And then he gets the ball, 80th minute, and just boots it long. And they're trying to chase for a win. Boots it as far as he can get. The winger just trots back, catches the ball and kicks it out. That uh, Montpellier win the game. And lo and behold, where does Botica go afterwards? Montpellier. It was one of the most dodgy things I've ever seen. <laughs> I don't know. It just seemed when I watched it, I was like, "Why did you do that?" And like, I went back. I looked at the highlights. I still can't find a, a, a feasible reason of why did you do that. At least try, especially with the modern laws, like that you can kick to touch. For, like if it was five years ago, where you had to tap and go. Yeah. That makes more sense then. There's the risk of sort of giving away a penalty, they kick the post and you lose at any points. Yeah. If you can kick to touch, get it out of your own half, do it. What, what are, yeah. Munster aren't going to go 60 yards, they're going to kick the ball out with the first opportunity. So, exactly. yeah, because they have the win. But yeah. I, I don't know, it's a strange one. I think that's that shows weak mentality to me. Yeah. That like, shows. That shows a team meeting beforehand where someone's gone. I uh, will take it if you've got the opportunity to take a losing bonus point. Yeah, that, yeah, that's what's coming across to me. Yeah, anyway, moving on. We don't know if anyone actually at home got to see this game. I was at the stadium and struggled to see it. <laughs> Glasgow, Glasgow Warriors versus XR Chiefs, and I was looking at the score, it's a big upset. Yeah. 22 points to seven. Glasgow beating the XR Chiefs. But, I mean, the weather didn't benefit either team. It was uh, how this game was actually played baffled me because I was sitting behind a set of the goals. I couldn't see past the 10 metre line on, my, on the half closest to me. Mm. The EPCR's Instagram page actually put up Chasing Shadows as a caption. And it was true. You couldn't tell what player was which, who, what team was in possession. It yeah. was, it was a mess of a game. Fair play to Glasgow. I will give them this. Fair play to them. They came with a game plan for the weather. If you get a penalty, go for the sticks, and they did that for the most part. Ross Thompson was clinical coming off the tee. I think he missed one, and I think he just overshot it, but. Missed like one off the tee. Jack Dempsey, the number eight, got a try at the death. Yeah. XR, you... did, no XR did nothing. Like, I didn't even see XR in possession of the ball for more than five minutes. Which is extremely un Exeter. Really. It's very like... un -Exeter. And Joe Simmons. Normally a rough last five minutes, doesn't it? Huh? <laughs> Normally oh, a rough last five minutes. Catabilis, RFC. <laughs> But couldn't even do that. Like, there was none of that either because of the because of the fog. They tried to play it quick to try and catch people on off guard. Um, Joe Simmons struggled. Every time he had the ball, he was dropping up or just making a really bad pass. It was going nowhere. Is it is it a curse of the MBE? Is he carrying that around? Is that weight on his shoulders hurting too much? Because I still can't work out how he got that award, to be honest. I think it's just because he was captain and we had a successful year. 
Yeah, but... <laughs> oh, no, I don't... I like, as much as I like Joe Simmons... He's a good player. But yeah. He's, he's, he's a really struggle. There is a reason he's not played, or started, sorry, most of this season. It seems to be a theme, isn't it? As in the, you know, take Marcus Smith out of it. The, the fly halves that were good last season have been very poor this season. You know, you're looking at uh, Callum Sheedy as well, hasn't had his best season, to be, it has to be said. Joe Simmons. Awful. Dan Bigger hasn't had the best. Well, he, he he plays forty minutes and then gets injured pretty much every time he plays for Northampton, isn't it? Really. So that seems to be the yeah. the tailor <laughs> take for him. Um, I will give shout outs though. There was some classical players that really stood out and took full advantage with what was in front of them. Josh Mackay, the fullback, he just came across from Canterbury over in New Zealand. He's he's fantastic. It, it was really. Like a whiff of fresh air to what like you, you're getting the debate of who's the next, like who's the next Stuart Hogg, really? Yeah, I, I it looked like it was going to be a Blair King run for a while. It's not, it's really not. I think really? it's not. Josh Mackay is special, he he moves like, like a very nimble fullback should do, but he hits you like a center. I love Kinghorn, so it's going to take a while for me I, to I like Kinghorn. 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 I love him. It's just... And I've seen it on the highlights. You can, Glasgow Warriors were very good at trying to find good clips during the fog. I can't imagine... This would give me nightmares if I've come up against this. Imagine getting hit by a Samoan and you don't see them until they're right in front of you. Yeah, that is what the Sione Tiokoto did. <laughs> and then bang, he was right at you, flattened Henry Slade, took out Ian Witten. Oh, just and I'm like, like, he's a hard boy to stop when the sun's splitting the trees. You can't see him coming. That's uh, yeah, he's, he's gonna kill you. Yeah, one thing I did see. One thing I did see was um, at the try at the death for Glasgow. Have you seen the synchronised celebrations from George Horn and Carl Stein? Yes, I did. Yeah, we both uh, shared that on, on the socials. I was like, that's, that's brilliant. Speaking <laughs> speaking of some of the players, um, I did I had, I had did have a great day. Like, take the result away because the, the weather did not help. The weather was really shit and it was really hard to see anything. And it was really cold in Glasgow. I really didn't prepare for that. Um, but I met I met George Horn, I met Xander Fagerson, I met Matt Fagerson, I met, got to meet Duncan Weir, um, I met Cole Forbes, who was playing on the wine, and then I got to meet Exeter Chiefs as well. I got to meet Oli Devoto, um, Dave Ewers, I met Gar Steenson and Ian Witten, which was fantastic, and I met um, Josh Ayasofa Scott, the big tight head prop he's he is a big hunk of meat like fuck yeah. me like he's <laughs> six he's six three and he's easily 20 stone and i'm like and you're a prop holy shit good god don't fancy that but, yeah just great day just bad result and terrible weather the fact that the coaches actually agreed to play on but there was a meeting we got there really early and you could see the meeting taken on a uh, place on the pitch yeah. And yeah, they said let's go for it. Fair play. In, in fairness, like you know, 
they had I, I feel like it would have been really harsh on the fans because obviously fans from Exeter traveling up to Glasgow that's one hell of a journey yeah um and you know I think we've seen in the football system where games have been cancelled sort of two hours before kickoff and that's just ridiculous so yeah. I'm, glad, I'm glad it went ahead um, and it's good for you to get a chance to see uh, some of your Exeter boys because it's leaving season at Exeter is it? It's leaving season I mean Sam Scar he's leaving sunny Devon for the capital of Scotland which I am I am happy with that makes perfect sense because let's be honest Sam wasn't a regular starter at Exeter yeah Um. Very versatile in the pack. Can play second row, can play anywhere in the back row. Ben Toulis is leaving Edinburgh for Japan. It, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Is it that, does make sense. Do you see him and Hodgson being sort of the the new second row partnership there for for, for a while? Possibly possibly as well going for Scotland as well? I can, I can see it. I can definitely see it. I don't see why not. I just think... Mike Blair's going to have a handful with the second draws option for next season because you've got you've got Sam Skinner coming in, got Grant Gilchrist still, yeah, very consistent. I'd say I've never yeah, yeah. seen Grant put a, a foot wrong. Jamie Hodgson coming through the ranks really quick, and Marshall Sykes as well has also signed a new contract. He's he was in the Scotland camp in the autumn as well. So I think any way you look at it. It's a, it's a solid enough second row pairing. It's just how you go about it. What I would do, just an example, would have like Sam with Jamie starting, have Grant Gilchrist come on, but come on for one of the back rows and then move Sam to the back row. That makes sense to me. Or have him, or have Sam start in the back and yeah. then move to, or move to the second row sort of thing. Who misses out in your back row? That's one hell of a back row to lose out but anyway I don't know there's so much yeah. depth back rows right there's Jimmy Ritchie Hamish Watson Bill Mata Nick Haining Magnus Bradbury Luke Crosby yeah, yeah. It's, it's, Edinburgh have got a good strength and depth now um, I do worry for Exeter though because you're losing him you're also losing Johnny Hill um, look, oh, Johnny I'm... Hill's treacherous now he's went to sale boo don't like it I don't like <laughs> it I know why I know why Exeter have had to start dishing out players it's so you don't get what happened to Saracens. Yeah, I wondered if it might be. It was. It's, we've we've spent too much. We've realised we've made a mistake, so players need to go. But I'm yeah. glad we've, we've acknowledged that mistake instead of, oh, we've done nothing wrong. Well, so yeah, was, and additionally, like you're going to have to start paying these players more and more, especially players like Johnny Hill who are in the England setup. Whether or not they should be, I'm not going to discuss that. <laughs> Because I'll give my opinion on that on separate occasions. No, I get, I get you. He is a big uh, player for Exeter, to be fair. He's played a lot of rugby for Exeter, been a big part of them. Um, but So I think he'll be a bit of a miss in that second row for Exeter going forward. He will be, just for the time being. If this, there is a transfer rumour that's floating around now, they kind of came out today. I spoke to some close sources <laughs> from, from, from my beloved Exeter Chiefs that have filled me in on that so um, if it happens I'm all for it because again it benefits the, it benefits XR it would benefit the player and more importantly it would benefit Scottish Rugby they they want Scott Cummings oh <laughs> like why that. not he is like he's that. 25 years old 
I like. I think Scott Cummings is a magnificently underrated player. I think a lot of people like to get on the Johnny Gray bandwagon. I love Johnny Gray. I I, I like Johnny Gray. I think he's a good player. I'm not I'm not saying he's not, but as in, he's the one who gets the all the limelight in that Scottish second row every week. You know, it's 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 Johnny Gray. It's Johnny Gray. Johnny Gray. Yeah. Scott Cummings. A lot of this season, he's been the one that's playing the full eighty. Yeah, uh, for Scotland, you know, Johnny Gray was coming off after sixty-ish, so um, I think, yeah, Scott, big up Scott Cummins. Does it, that'd be a great move for him. I heard it, and I was like, but they didn't put the first the, sur- uh, the first name. Sorry, they put the surname. They just put Chiefs want Cummings, and I'm like, Scott Cummins, and they're like, yeah, I was like, yeah, go for it. Hopefully, it's not Dominic Cummins, <laughs> the, uh, the old <laughs> political age. <laughs> Yay, that works. <laughs> but then, like, I always feel like partnerships for club benefit the national team. Like, look at Dupont and Antimac for France. So if you've got Johnny Gray, providing he stays, because that's kind of up in the air as well. If Johnny Gray stays and Scott Cummins comes down to Devon, and they could both stay fit, then sorted. It's a dream scenario, to be fair, for Scotland especially, I think, that one. Um, especially especially if Cummins plays a lot. Um, and that'll be what they're hoping for, I think. Because um, certainly from my perspective, being an Ospreys fan, seeing Alan and Jones and Adam Beard working together, you do see that combination then, you know, especially with a line-out, understanding the calls that you're likely to make, yeah. being able to pass that information. That's probably a really good connection to keep. Um, it just adds to the, the, the Scottish extra contingent, doesn't it, really? You know? Yeah, we don't really go like any bigger than like four or five. We tend to just keep it tied down to that. But I, it's it's a strange time just because of the whole we need to get rid of players. Yeah, unless they take a pay cut. But I know there's rumours Hogg might be leaving. There's two destinations for him. He might come home. And my joke is Edinburgh's closer to Hyde than Glasgow is. <laughs> um, but. There's also Rassen, and he could team up with his Maverick all year round, which again would benefit the national side. I see that more likely. I must be honest. But then you've got the deadly, and I do mean deadly, backline of Machino at nine, Finros at ten, Gael Fiku at inside, Firmi Vakatawa at thirteen, Juan Emoth on the one wing, currently be on the other wing, and sure I'll get fullback. That's Ooh. filthy. That's illegal. Yeah, and that's that's without including Teddy Thomas, who I rate when he's when he's firing Teddy Thomas is fire. Yeah. But um, again, either way you put that, that's still yeah. I, I I wouldn't be surprised because Curly doesn't stand, tend to stay anywhere for more than two seasons, does he, to be honest. Tends to move uh, around here, there, and everywhere. He's, so. he's a bit of a journeyman, but still keeps his caps up and well as well. So, yeah, I get why if it was to happen, if Hogg was to go back to Glasgow, a, a lot of players go home. We will mention our one in a minute, but they tend to go home, which is fine. It's safe. You've been there. Your family's there. It makes sense. But I also get the attraction of racing. Yeah. There's no salary cap in France. Oh, that stadium as well. It's a special no, stadium. I know the La Défense. La Défense. It's it's on my. Uh, I know Sean's been lucky enough to go. It's on my list of sort of stadiums to go to to watch. A yeah, game. definitely, definitely on my bucket list as well. Yeah. 
speaking of homecomings, definite homecomings, Ellis Kench. Yeah. I don't get what's going on with Leicester Tigers. Actually, before we get before we get into this, still undefeated. They beat oh. Connor. They scraped. They scraped. Connor were pushing right to the end. It was brilliant. I thought Connor were actually going to be the first to to do it this year, but not Leicester hung in. Nick Dolly, the hooker, he is special. Australian with a mullet. He's good. Very very good player. Very good. Uh, Freddie Burns was at 10. Yeah. I don't um, like Freddie Burns, but if you've got if George Ford's not there, you've got to have someone to yeah. wait for Pollard to arrive. It's really nice to see him getting back to it to some extent because like the way it finished at Bath, obviously, you know, the circumstances surrounding the European Cup, the issue, you know, the issues he had against Toulouse and then left at the end of the season, didn't quite work out for him in France, comes back. I'm really glad to see him back. Um, I think Leicester just have a way of playing. It's just, they know how to play. They've got, I, I said this on my pod as well, that they've just got a team that is set up to play in a particular way. Um, and that's why I'm a bit baffled that, that few players are leaving. Because it, all those players, it seems to be the ideal, ideal setup for them. Like, George Ford, that is the ideal setup that he wants to have with a sort of armchair ride where he just kicks the leather off the ball with a scrum half who also kicks the ball. Genge is an ideal, they want to focus on front front row work. And I'm a bit surprised that they've both been allowed to go, to be honest. I just think the timing of it's off. It's like, same with Exeter. Like, why are you seeing this? Like, why is this happening now? Well, not so much, not so much Exeter because Exeter just kind of went. Oh, by the way, Sam and Johnny are leaving at the end of the season. But with Leicester, it was George Ford uh, not wanting to extend his contract and has made it clear he wants to leave. Best thing. That's very football behaviour. Yeah. It's- and then, then Steel Sharks jumped on it because again he was coming home. And then, again, remaining undefeated in the Prem, two from two in Europe now. And then their captain goes, see ya, I don't want to be here either. It's and he's away to Bristol. It's, it's really weird. I don't get what's going on. The, the only thing I will say is it's like six months before the end of the contract, which I think is when you're allowed to sort of like source out players, see if they're available. Yeah. Um, and it's certainly... I think it would make more sense for it to be happening now than in the semi-final final. You don't want to have it hanging over George Ford saying, right, you need to perform well today to get your contract for next season for Sale or Bristol or yeah. Racing, wherever. Say, say he was going to some like an open-ended contract, no one knew where he was going. But so I, I think it's quite good that he can now just go, right, I'm going to make the most of this, try and see out the, the end of this year with Leicester. And I think those are two players that will, like, bat down the hatches, go, right, all my focus now is on Leicester. I want to perform for Leicester this season and England if they play for England. That's another topic with George. But, like, like you know, focus on that season. I think those are two players who will do it, whereas some other players possibly could go a little bit wishy-washy, just be like, oh, I'll just get my paycheck, come in, do a little bit of training. Yeah, half asked, you know. I think I think there well, are players that will do that, but those aren't too. 
well, Genge and Ford were not playing against Connacht. They were both dropped. And what, uh, what BT Sports said was they were, especially when it came to Genge, that it's like they were resting them for the big Boxing Day clash. I went, Is he, are they resting him though? Or because he's went, see, uh, I'm out of here. They went, well, Steve Borthwick's kind of turned out and went, well, you're not playing then. Some, like, I doubt yeah. it. I, I, hope, I hope that's not true, but I just think it's so weird that, that how... I don't have any grudge with players moving club. If it benefits your career, all for it. What I don't get is how they went about it, though. Yeah, it's, it's a strange move for Gange for me. Like, the Boxing Day matches is against Bristol as well. That's, yeah. that's, the, that's the other one you need to mention. So, um, look, I'm sure Genge will, if he plays, will be brilliant. Like, that's without doubt. He will probably tear the front row of Bristol apart because that's that's the type of player he is. But, um, but you do get that partnership again for next season. And our contingent, you're going to have Genge and Sinclair as your props. Yeah. Which... Again, benefit <laughs> does. There's a theme this this week is homecoming and homecoming partnerships. and partnerships. It sounds, it sounds like a live laugh love sign, doesn't it? Like homecoming yeah. and partnerships. <laughs> Some sort of it's a Christmas theme to the pod, isn't it? Homecoming and partnerships. Yeah, coming home for Christmas. There you go. There you go. You're gonna uh, sing it, or you're gonna give that a mess. Yeah, then home for Christmas. There you go. That's all you get. I don't know why you put your hands around your head while you're singing it. <laughs> yeah, just, just the flex there. <laughs> no, but I just think it's so bizarre because, like, Ford kind of came out of nothing. It, it was very news escalated rapidly quick. Like, it was like in the morning, of George Ford doesn't want to stay. And, like, two hours later, sales charge said, like, we've, we've got him. Welcome home. Yeah. And then Leicester Tigers then bounced back and went, oh, that's fine, we've just signed the World Cup winner in Andre Pollard. And it kind of all dialed down and now yeah, it was getting just half season later. It, it seemed like there was like um, fly half Jenga going on because AJ, yeah. he obviously went to, he's going to Bristol, isn't he? He's going to Bristol as well, yeah. So, and that makes sense. That's a move I can really get behind. I think yeah. that's a really clever move. Um, Does that mean Sheedy will be leaving? Does that mean Sheedy's on the move? I don't know what they're going to do with Sheedy. Obviously, the issue with Sheedy is whenever it comes to renewing his contract, he needs to move to Wales. I was just about to ask, would you bring him back to Wales? The, and I where? Know, I don't know where he goes is the, is the thing on that one. Um, if this was last season, I'd say Ospreys, but Ospreys have now got Anscombe finally fit. Anscombe's going to stay. Um, I'll still take Sheedy over Anscombe. Oh, I don't know. A, a fifth and firing Anscombe will be insane. It's just, will He's he ever get back up to that level of 2019 where he was brilliant? He was brilliant in 2019, but it's about yeah. getting him back to that. Um, I don't know if he will. I, I'm very hopeful as an Ospreys fan, as a Wales fan. Um, Sam Davis probably is the, is the obvious one at Dragons because... I think Sam is probably like Sam Davis is a good player. He didn't have his best game on the weekend against Leon. Uh, missed a couple of kicks to touch through an interception, but he's going to look at it and think, "Well, I'm not getting into Wales team anymore." Because I think I think this was this was the autumn for him to get in, and he didn't yeah. get in when all the 
the, the two fly halves were unavailable. They picked Gareth Anscombe just back from injury and they picked Reese Priestland at 34 over him. So he's probably gone, well, there's no point in me staying around. I might as well cash in. I wouldn't be surprised if Sam Davis leaves and that's where Sheedy will go is to the Dragons. Um, whether Sheedy wants to go to the Dragons is another question, to be honest. The way oh, yeah, because are you tell you where to go, don't you? Don't they? Kind of, because obviously you, you need to be you need to be paid by the WIU partly because of the dual contract system. So um I, I, I think Dragons is the most obvious because I, I think Cardiff, they've got Jared Evans there, they've just signed Priestland. I don't see them signing Sheedy now. Um yeah. although there's constant talk that Jared could be off somewhere. So I don't know if that's gonna happen as well. Guess we'll see. We'll probably all blow up over over the festive period anyway. Speaking of dragons, 41-28 defeat to Leon. Like you mentioned earlier, they actually got to play that game, but in my opinion, it's it's a side that are beyond frustrating because for so many years we've been talking about how dragons are going to be improving, going to be improving. Um, it's come to this season. They've got an insane back row depth. Their back, first choice back row, Moriarty, Basham and Wainwright. We saw how good uh, Wainwright and Basham were. We all know Moriarty can be brilliant. Behind that, you've got Ben Fry, who's playing very well, Harrison Caddy and Ollie Griffiths. Yeah. Combine that with pretty good second rows in Ben Carter and Will Rowlands. You've got a really good back five of a scrum now, which has been their, their, their pack has been their weakness. But it's still just not clicking. It's not They're not getting results, and that's the problem. And until... They don't seem to be able to win tight games. Like they could have beaten Leinster at home. They lost six seven. Yeah, they've got that one over the line. Maybe they get a couple of others out over the line. Um, I, I don't know if you watched the game. I did, but there was such a gap between their frontline defence and their backfield, and <laughs> you know, all that happened all game was little kicks over the top regather, try for Leon. That was basically the game plan in the first half of Leon. They'd clearly done their homework and just a bit frustrating, to be honest, to watch to watch Dragons in that way. And I felt they threw it away last week against Padbinion as well. So that's two losses that they've taken. And in this competition, where the French teams don't focus as much on the Challenge Cup, you'd like to think you could get a result or two and it hasn't come off that way. Yeah, no, I get, I get that. And um... Would you say that's the Dragons out of the Challenge Cup now? I know there's still a lot to play for, but would you say that's them just playing for pride now more than anything? Well, there's two more games to play for, isn't it? And I don't see them getting two wins. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Because um, I think they've got Gloucester coming, haven't they? And Gloucester are flying at the moment. Um, yeah, I was just going to mention that. Like Gloucester, Gloucester Bennett, that was a weird game. Half-time, 19 points to 18 to Gloucester. Full-time, 54-25 to Gloucester. So whatever was told at half-time definitely worked because, oh my, like that's, yeah. Uh, that's Just, a classic Gloucester though, isn't it? They, they they chuck the ball around and eventually they tie you out, don't they? Because they've got such pace, such gas out wide and such good talent in the centres as well. You, you're going to yeah. struggle to hold that in. Um, so, I, I yeah, like I say, I think Dragons are out personally, um, which might be a benefit in some small way that they can focus on the URC and try and get in that top eight for the URC, which I think is still possible, unlikely, but still possible for them. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you on that. It's, it's, it's tricky. 
it's very tricky because you've obviously got. I mean, there's. I'm just looking at the fixtures now again. Pow somehow get a 20 0 win over Saracens because of COVID would never happen. Worcester, Biarritz getting postponed. London Irish and Breve getting postponed. It's very make your mind up and stick with it because like none of it, none of it's making any sense to anyone. And I think that's the frustrating part why fans aren't really caring about the European fixtures this year because you're very uncertain, like one sneeze and one cough and that's fine now. Or or we can go again. again. That's the problem. They've they've done a new setup with it, haven't they? And then this is is how it's going to start. Look at last season, for instance, you were meant to have pool stages with six games. Halfway through, they changed it to four games, wasn't it? Or possibly even less. And it's just... It's going to be a problem for Europe unless they change where Europe is in the calendar, I think. Because if it's going to be in the December months, so December, January, February, Uh well, that's when COVID's at its its worst. So you're most likely to have COVID cases. That's when games are going to get cancelled. So I think they do need to be careful about that. Yeah, no. That's definitely one that needs to be discussed. But they're still trying to stick with the games that did go ahead. Toulon narrowly beating Zebra. 28-14. 28-14. Toulon baffle me as a club nowadays. Like, look at them 10 years ago. Like, European royalty. Back back to back to back. Three-peat. Wilkinson, Ghetto, Habana. Just name a, a world-class player and Toulon had them. And now they're scraping against Sebre that's got one point in the league table in the URC and I just think Zebra is just a waste of a team. I know that sounds really harsh. They just are. They like Benetton did really well, pushed last year and got the Rainbow Cup and kind of almost put a stamp down for Italian rugby. Like, no, look, we we can compete and this is what we can do. And then there's Zebra that's like, no, we can't because look at us. Yeah, it's 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 not quite. A fair balance field is it for Zebra? I don't, I don't know how to improve it. To be frank, I'm just, you know, looking at that game. I didn't watch that game. I've got to be honest. But they had two yellow cards um, against Toulon side, which I'm surprised actually. If Toulon went reasonably strong. You know, the likes of Colby were playing. Justin Colby's debut, yeah. Serran, Carbonell. It's a reasonably strong side, um, but. Yeah, I, uh, with Zebra, I think there's an argument that if you combine the two Italian teams, would they be much more competitive? And I actually think no, because I no. think that Zebra side is that poor. Um, I, I don't see where Zebra go. I don't don't know what they can achieve realistically. And especially when you consider, like we were talking about Dragons a minute earlier, I was saying they could possibly get into the top eight. They're trying to improve. Yeah. No obvious improvement in Zebra. No, I totally agree. Like Europe, URC, a body pre-season friendly. Like, you go, who have we got? Oh, we've got Zebra. It's an easy five points. Yeah. And there's no, there's no threat there. It's not. Oh, we might not get 
it's no, you're going to get five points. And I don't know. Zebra are a lost cause for me. They just are. I just think they're just. I feel like I'm being very harsh, but they just seem to me a waste of a club. To me, right. they have. They don't have any good players that stand out. All the good Italian players are either based in Benetton, based in France, or in the Premiership. None are in Zebra. Does seem to be, and like we all know that Italy are struggling massively at the moment. So that's. That's that's a big topic. Um, I did want to ask you something, actually. I was wondering about this. Is that, you know, with all these 28-0 losses, um, yeah. what happens? Because obviously points differences possibly could be crucial. Uh-huh. Um, and especially when it comes to that sort of the final place in the table of who goes through to the Challenge Cup and who, who carries on in the Champions Cup and vice versa, who goes through to the Challenge Cup or just doesn't go through to anything. Yeah. Do you think it's fair that if you've taken a 28-0 loss as opposed to lost, I don't know, 54-12, that you'd go through? Uh, I, 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 mean, get I really think it could happen. I think there's a danger of it happening this year, coming down to points difference, and a, a forfeited game could be a winner or a loser in that. Like, I definitely could, yeah. I mean, I mean, we all discussed, we all packed Saracens as like our... Yeah. pre-tournament and they're now essentially out because they got defeated by Edinburgh which I will never stop smiling at but <laughs> like they got beat by Edinburgh it was a clean game it was fair and Edinburgh were the better side fine those games happen but 28-0 defeat to Pau because of COVID no that, that was never going to happen it just wasn't and now Saracens now are tech are more essentially out of the Challenge Cup. I know there's still a few games to go, but like we discussed with Dragons, two defeats, and it doesn't look great. Like they're going to have to pull off the great escape. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And it's just, I don't like it. I can see them doing it. I can see them doing it. They're, they're good enough side to do it. Um, and still walk a couple of Premiership games, like you know they've got an easy game on the weekend at home to Worcester. So I, I, I'm not worried about Saracens. I think they'll still get through the group stages of the Challenge Cup. Um, did you want to look? For, sorry, did you want? I was just going to say. I was going to say just definitely one to look for. I was just going to ask. Do you want a lot of prediction for the Prem and the URC? Yeah, should we should we start with URC because that's the one I've probably got more confidence in. Yeah, I'll get the fixtures up and just... Oh, sorry, have I uh, figured you up there? <laughs> no, no, I had the Premiership all sorted there, but it's fine. I'm the only <laughs> one, I'm the only one on the, in, the, in Rugby Connection that proper watches the Prem, so we're all diehard URC. Sean Davos in his top 14. And I'm... A lot of it. I don't, I'm not a big fan of the of top 14. No, I keep tabs on that. I look at results and everything like, oh, that's a shock or whatever. But apart from that, it doesn't interest me. So, URC, call it the festive fixtures because it's that time of year. It's rival rival season. Zebra, Benetton. Benetton, isn't it? Benetton's going to win. Benetton win comfortably, I think. Cardiff, Uh, Scarlet's. 
It, that one could go either way. It's it's who recovers the best from, um, obviously having all their players back finally. I, and we do need to quickly mention. I think we sort of skated over a bit. How amazing Cardiff have performed in the last two weeks. You know, with all their semi pros and academy players and the atmosphere around that club and the feel good factor. Dan Fish coming back from retirement for the fifteenth time. It's been it's been oh, really I forgot, good. I forgot to mention that actually about the Hawkins game. Yeah. Marcus Smith is on different levels, though. So is Don Brown. Yeah. Although, did you see uh, uh, little Jimmy Botham's tackle on Don Brown? One hell of a hit. That was a great hit. Um, I cannot remember his name for the life of me, but shout out to the young man for Cardiff that got his debut and scored against the Premiership champions. Oh, yeah, the full-back. Also, shout out to Teo Cabango's try. Yes. Nice little off the... Over the shoulder pass from Seb Davis, which I, I have to do a weekly plug of Seb Davis every week because I went to school with him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, obviously, you know, great for Take Bangor, one hell of a try, stepping inside um, Hugh Jones. But yeah, the Harlequins are obviously going to be in a different class. And we saw last week DuPont looked on another level, having just won his World Player of the Year. Marcus yeah. Smith is, is going to be the same, having just been up for breakthrough player. So I wasn't surprised to see the result. I was surprised that it was 17 all at half time. So fair yeah. play for Cardiff for that. But um, yeah, class told. I'm going to back Cardiff to beat Scarlets though. I just think Scarlets have been really struggling this year. Uh, Scarlets, um, Scarlets haven't played in about nearly two months now. So I, I can't, I, I would back Cardiff, even though, yeah, lots of players will be coming back. But you know, the bones of their side is there at the moment. You looked at that back line, it was relatively strong. Um, the same with the back row. So they haven't got as many players coming back in as Scarlet, who so haven't played in two months, so I'll go with a Cardiff win. Um Ulster Connor. Ulster Connor. I'm gonna back Connor just because I prefer Connor. When Both they get the when they play when they play the way they want, they're hard to stop. But my head says Ulster because they have been they have been playing so well this season. Connacht hammered them though a couple of weeks ago, didn't they? Uh, no, I'm, I'll go. I'll go safe. I'll put. I'll back Ulster just cause. Just because James Shim. <laughs> Can I go draw? Or is that a bit, a bit too controversial? I think it'll I'll be tight. Well, no expect a draw. And I think I'll go draw. I think it. I think it'd be very tight. Osprey Dragons? Ospreys have to win. Have to win. I, I I mean that, as in the way they played against Sale, it was frustrating. They could have won that match. You know, the, the penalty count says it all. I think it was 19 penalties Sale suffered. The, the one thing against Ospreys is I don't know how many players are out with COVID. So there's going to be a significant amount of players out. Um, it's been a difficult couple of months for Ospreys, has to be said. You know, um, I don't know if you've seen this, but during this week, uh, Ivan Phillips, it was finally stated what what was the injury that he suffered. Um, he's had to, he had an accident and was forced to amputate his leg, or the doctors were forced to amputate his leg, I should say. Um, so that's really sad. And if you do get a chance, I, I know he, it's all right to plug quickly, just like, just give yeah. something to his Just Giving page. It's quite nice. Um, because obviously it's a life-changing injury for him, so that's quite sad to see. But he seems 
of very high spirits. And I will go with an Ospreys win, but it just depends what side Ospreys have with COVID and everything. So hopefully that game goes ahead. I think if if it's a weaker Ospreys side, Dragons get the win. But if Ospreys can get like some of their big hitters, at least Ospreys get, would get a win. So that, that's the best way I can describe it. I think that's going to be too... Just because of how everything is right now, I think it's too weird to decide properly. So, yeah. It's it's the case with every side between second and the bottom of the table, but every side between second and 15th bar Zebra is that they're all so inconsistent. You don't know who's going to win one week and who's going to win the next. So, could be anything. Monster versus Leinster. This could be Leinster. I don't want it to be. I'm bored of it already. I don't think so. I think Munster win that. You think Munster win it? I'm back in Munster. I'm not back in Leinster. I'm, I don't. And it's not that I don't like Leinster. It just gets boring. I I think Leinster obviously going to be without quite a few players. I know they've got ridiculous strength and depth, so it barely matters. But they're going to be missing a few players because of COVID. Munster hopefully will be back to near full fitness, and even even when they're not, they're still beating Cast and they're beating Wasps. So. I think Munster will win. Fair, fair. Valid reasons as well. Last one is a Monday Night Lights one. Glasgow versus Edinburgh. I'm back in Edinburgh. If you'd have asked me two months ago, I'd have said Edinburgh in a heartbeat. But because Glasgow got that big win. Yeah. It's at Scotston. And after experiencing it for the first time on Saturday, they are a loud rowdy bunch (laughs) they are proper up for it on the big nights and apart from the European nights you don't get much bigger than the the good old 1872 Cup because they're only two teams in Scotland so each team are proper up for it I have have to back Edinburgh Edinburgh has just been too too good this season and it, it would be a shame for it to crumble to our rivals, I'll I'll say if it's nice. I I'm, I'm going to give a caveat, right? If the weather's good, I think Edinburgh could win it. <laughs> right. But I don't think the weather will be good, and I right. think I think the Glasgow pack is too strong for the Edinburgh pack. Mm. I know it's <laughs> tight. I know it's tight. I know Edinburgh pack isn't bad at all by any, any shape of imagination, especially with uh, Big Pierre in the front row, but. Um, I want to try and predict just a little bit of fun the starting 15 for both sides if I could yeah so Glasgow it would be I'd start Ollie Kebble and have Jimmy Bright come off the bench okay George Turner starts all day yeah Xander Fagerson sadly starts all day no I know I met him but I'm not I'm still not a I'm still not fully convinced on him. Richie Gray, Scott Cummins, the second row. Yeah. I'd be surprised if Richie starts. I'd be slightly surprised if Richie starts. If Matt Ferguson was fit because he came off on Saturday, if Matt's fit, put him at six, have Roy Darge at seven with Jack Dempsey at eight. Jack Dempsey is on top form than ever it's, it's really good to see Ali Price obviously at scrum half 
Ross Thompson at 10. You're going to have Sam Johnson and Sione Tukawata in the centres. I do like having Cole Forbes, Kyle Stain, and Josh Mackay at the back as your back three. So I think that, I think they'll stick with that because it works so well against Exeter, so why not? Yeah. Edinburgh is going to be Pierre Schumann. I think Dave Cherry will get the nod over Sean McAnally. I'd be surprised at that. Especially with Darby. I don't know. Sure's not really been playing, though. I think if he's going to come back and start for one game, it'll be this game. It'll be this one. I'm not against either way. So, WP's starting at three. Easy. Um, You're going to have... I'd start Jamie Hodgson with Grant Gilchrist. And have Marshall Slicks come off the bench. I like Marshall, but Jamie's just that little bit more special. I think uh, Jamie, I'd really rate. I think he's could be something really good for Scotland. Getting the back row, you're, you're getting you're getting Jamie Ritchie, you're having Hamish Watson, and you're getting Bill Matter. Nine, nine's Ben Velikop. Easy choice. Yeah. Ridiculously yeah. easy choice. Ten. Burkenhorn is a ten. I like Yako, but I don't think if Edinburgh are going to succeed, it's not going to be with. But like you said this the other day. Yeah, not going to be with Yako. And the more I think about it, the more I'm starting to agree. The the one thing I would say against that is if it is a wet, windy, horrible day, yeah. do you want a ten? Do you still want Blair? I still have Blair. Yeah. Okay. Because that's where I'd maybe change. I'd maybe be tempted to go with Yako. My big issue when Blair was first at ten was can he kick and yes he can quite well off the tee so I, I, I'm not phased I'm not bothered centres it's James Lang and Mark Bennett because that, that is a nice pairing just makes perfect sense to me yeah back three Riley uh, my, uh, Mayano Darcy Graham and Emiliano Botelli yeah it's it's it it's a good team for Edinburgh. I I still stand by it. If it's if it's bad weather, I think Glasgow have just got more about them up front. And I mean, when I'm talking about up front, I mean front five grunt and grind. I think they've got slightly more grunt and grind in the top front five. I know it's tight, and I could be wrong. I could definitely be wrong, especially with WP Nally could nick a few penalties. But WP Nell outstrums Zander. So that's a big, oh, yeah. that's a oh, yeah. big one up for Edinburgh. Pierre, I think Pierre is better than Ollie. Just yeah. there's not much. I like Ollie but There's just not much in it. It's close. And George Turner is is the best hooker out of the most respective sides. So yeah, well, for two thirds Edinburgh, I can understand it. I just, I, I just as well. I don't know, Ali. I think Ali will teach Ben a lesson. I think he'll do that. Well, welcome Sorry. to Scotland. This is my jersey sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. We'll have to see. Anyway, we'll have to see. that was. Game, the we've got we've got the prem. We have we have Bristol Bears versus Leicester Tigers. Does Gen, Genji show up? It's only going one way that game. No. Leicester will hammer them. I actually think they'll hammer them. You think they'll hammer them? 
Yeah, not 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 necessarily scoreboards, Hammer, because Leicester Leicester don't win by a lot, do they? The, the way oh, they just, play the game on just on the field dominance. Yeah, just utter pack dominance. Sort of fly half. You know, if George Ford's back in, I think they'll dominate dominate them in the in the air, especially with Freddie Stewart and box kicking with Youngs or Wigglesworth, whichever one they go with. I I can't see anything other than a Leicester comfortable win. Yeah, I'm with, I can't back Bristol Bears. They're just so inconsistent this this season. They've got really weak player mentality. I've said this like the whole season. They just they'll score a shit ton of points very early on, and then think job's done, and then just sit back. Yeah, I I can see a point on that. My my thing on them, I don't know if it's weak player mentality. I wonder. I wonder if it's a lack of fitness. Sometimes, sometimes I've watched them. Maybe, maybe. Um, I, I just think Pat Lamb's such a good coach. You could see it that he's getting frustrated with the players, like putting their heads down and all that. And but yeah, I think I don't think Leicester's unbeaten runs coming to an end this year. I'm not saying this season. Yeah, this this calendar year, I think they'll hold this on to that. I do stand by. I think it will turn around for Bristol, though. I think Bristol will turn it around. I can't see them staying down there all season. And I think they could go go in a run in Europe, um, especially having had that 28-0 win you know, in against the Scarlet. I think they could go on a run, um, especially when the weather turns as well, when it becomes a bit more sunny, opens up the game for a bit more free-flowing rugby. That'll suit them. So I think they could turn things around. Yeah. I mean, there's still plenty of rugby to change all that, so we'll see. Newcastle versus Sale. I'm backing, I'm backing Newcastle just because of yeah. a personal thing for the show. Not I, backing think, I think Newcastle will win that. Don't, I, don't, we don't back Sale. <laughs> I'll, I'll explain to you when we went away from the show, but yeah. yeah. We're done back still. The, the, the one thing they'll have to stop the Curries because Curries tore Ospreys apart the other week. Um, and they yeah. were insane. Um, stop, stop the Curries, stop the Dupree's, yeah, <laughs> stop sale, stop, stop everyone else as well. Them, yeah. no, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna back Newcastle though. I, I do like Newcastle, so Saracens versus Worcester. I've already said my opinions on that. Saracens winning that. I'm, ba- I'm back in Worcester. Oh, come on. Uh, Saracens are win. Oh, okay. I'm not. I will not pick Saracens for a win ever. Okay. <laughs> it's not in me. No, but I don't know if Worcester can go full goal with their team. They don't have depth, but if they have a full goal team, they could. They could push Saracens a bit more. I doubt uh, it. I, I doubt it. it. I that think is... Saracens will absolutely dominate them, but I just think. If you've got your strongest Worcester side, then it's very, I don't know. But Sarsons will win now. It's just, yeah, I'm not backing them. Saris will be without some players, I think, because of COVID. So that's the one thing Worcester will sort of look to take advantage of. But Saracens still are so strong. Strength and depth is ridiculous. Um, Wasps versus London Irish. I'm backing London Irish. I'd back London Irish in the in, in that game, but both teams are so inconsistent. Yeah. Like London Irish think... will be brilliant one week and then terrible the next. Wasps mostly terrible and then brilliant one week. Yeah. No, I am backing London Irish. 
just because when when they can play their style, it, it's so good to see from like a neutral point of view. So that's that's my only reason, really. Will probably be the most free flowing game of the weekend. I think the most, I think the the biggest game is obviously Bristol Tigers, especially following on from last season, what happened there. But yeah. Wasps London Irish could be the most expansive sort of good rugby to watch game. Yeah, absolutely. We've got Bath versus Gloucester. Is this the week where Bath actually get a win? No, <laughs> no. Um, I, I'm glad they have dealt with the whole managerial coaching disaster. Yeah, I get that Stuart Hooper was a fantastic player for Bath, and will go down as a club legend. But he is a shit coach. <laughs> he just is. And the, the bit that has annoyed me about the role this whole season, I'm not a Bath fan. You've spoke to me for God knows how long now. But you know who I support. And yet Bath's performances are aggravating me. Because yeah. Bath is usually a top four, top six club, pushing for titles, getting big wins in Europe. Nothing. I think not enough was made of the players they lost last season. Yeah, I think Zach Merce was a huge loss. Huge loss. Especially yeah. considering Talupe Falata has been injured this season. Yeah, And then Priestland has been a loss as well for them, definitely. They're missing him at 10. I, like I didn't, I didn't think that, I'd think say that. I like the fact that they brought in Cipriani because we all know what Cipriani can do. But they're picking Orlando Bailey ahead of him. Nothing against Orlando Bailey. He is a good player. Yeah. If, but, if there is one week, though, for, for Sips, is it in the derby against his former team? Yes. Do it. Go for it. I, I, I don't know. I think Gloucester will win, but I think Bath will make it closer. Closer I than want, they have them. I want Bath to win. Yeah. It's, it's really annoying me now. Like we discussed it with Kyle a few weeks ago. Because there's no relegation this year, do you think some teams generally can give a shit because there's not there's not there's no punishment? Oh yeah, definitely. I think there's an element of them just sort of blooding younger players like playing Orlando Bailey. That's probably a thought of, well, we can't get relegated. So let's give yeah. him the game time, let's see what he can do. Um, you know, faffing around with the coaching staff. I think that decision. I think that decision is made two, maybe three months earlier. If if there's relegation, I really yeah. think the decision would have been made that much earlier. Um, I, I I think it's, it's I think it's a strange one. I think it's a strange season in in total. To be honest, I'm not I'm not a fan of getting rid of relegation. I know why they've done it, but still, I think I think it's a, it's the most positive thing with the English Premiership is that they have the relegation. Like we talked about Zebra earlier. Imagine if there's relegation in the URC. I they're still, they're still get relegated. They wouldn't perform any better. You don't think they'd you don't think they'd make a bigger no. effort to improve? No. Or do you think they are trying their best sort of thing? I think I think what we get from Zebra week in, week out is what they can do. And that's really, really shit. Then that's what they can do. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, if you're relying on Carl Kana to do magic, it's not happening for you. Last, last game of Premiership Festival rounds, as I'm calling it, Quinns at home against Northampton Saints. What a game to end. 
It'll be good. Be a great, great game. I can only see one winner there. Quins. Oh, Quins will. Quins will put some points on Saints. Especially at home. If it was at Franklin, if it was at Franklin's Gardens, it'd be a lot tighter. Yeah. Oh, definitely. But Saints at the moment are missing a lot, and I, I, I can't put my finger on exactly what that is. I think it's a steady front five as a start. I think a fly half that lasts more than 40 minutes is the second one and probably a fly half that suits the system because I still don't think Dan Bigger suits the system. But Queens will win that comfortably. It's It'll be... I think they could win that by 20 points. I'm not even disagreeing with you. I mean, Don Brandt, Kerr, Smith, Northmore, Marley, Lina, Tyrone Green. Oh. He's a talent, Tyron Green. He is. He, he is the next South African 15. Yeah. Well, there's an yeah. argument. He should be the South African 15. I've he should be. Argument. He should be right now. But yeah. once, once, I will quote Jim Hamilton for it. Once one of the two retires, Tyrone Green is, is the South African 15. And if he's not, Razi Erasmus has had a mare. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> That's all I need to say. Well, I'm not going to comment on Razi Rasmus. I think, I think his latest videos say a lot about him. Um, <laughs> That's all I know. We all think he's about. Oh, I think he's gone. I genuinely think something's gone. It, they need someone to check him out. Um, <laughs> and I shouldn't say that. Um, but I think I think it could be a really good weekend of rugby, both in the URC and in the Premiership. And I'm quite yeah. excited for it. And it's nice to have it back and... and I, I put it in quotation marks and fingers crossed and all that, but a normal weekend of rugby would be great to have. Yeah. Um, I, I don't want to end on a sour point, but have you seen where they've rearranged the um, URC fixtures that were meant to be going on in um, between the Welsh clubs and the South African and the Irish and Zebra and South Africa clubs? No. I'm the last not. two weekends of the Six Nations. Brilliant. So nobody's watching them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and also no wins for the Welsh regions then. That'll be the other thing. Oh, yeah. Scarlet and Cardiff, they won't win out in South Africa without their Welsh players, I don't think. So that's, that's pretty... Uh, well, I understand why they've done it, because there's no other time in the calendar. But yeah, anyway, that's a, that's a topic for another time. <laughs> well, this is the last episode of Rugby Connection of 2021. Still can't actually believe we're here. We've got a podcast. We've interviewed professionals. Just, yeah, just thank you for all the support. We're coming back with a lot of special stuff coming in the new year. That's kind of also why we've got Carmen on the show. Uh, we we here at Rugby Connection are going up against uneducated rugby and kind of like a big fat quiz of rugby. Everyone's involved. Kyle's jumping. Allegiance says he's going over to uneducate to help them out, or be a spanner, or being a, or be a spanner in the works. If I've asked them nicely, and Har is the quiz master and asking only like prem questions. And <laughs> oh god, well, no, I'm not, no. Carl watches Bristol, so we we got a bit of support there. Uh, it should be fun that one. Um, big fat quiz of the year, sort of. Um, uh, question of sport being talked about maybe yeah. a few, few out there Paul O'Connell answers if you've seen that clip of him on question of sport I know Sean has mentioned it 
Um, so it should be a really good episode to do and really fun to, because obviously, like we mentioned at the start of the pods, you've been on my podcast. I've now had the privilege of being on yours. So it's it's, it's a great way of combining the two together. And uh, yeah, no, the rivalries will just last that podcast, I think. You kind of already started sowing the seeds when you started just taking everyone from us. <laughs> Even though I was the first to do it. I think I was the first one to do it, but I think I was the first one to jump across. Um, I think it might have been Kyle. Kyle was the first I recorded. Oh, Kyle was the first. Yeah. Uh, that's why that's why you've got him for the quest, because... Well, you know, he is, he is the one I like the most, Tony. Oh, it's more of words now. Um, no, so we've got that coming up in the start of the new year. We have a massive Six Nations special come out. I'm saying nothing more on the matter for it because we've got a lot planned for it. And we have a lot more interviews coming out. There will be no more interview Thursday. It doesn't, it's, it's a shit me, must be honest. It, it doesn't sit well. So going forward, we will have Rugby Connection presents the final whistle. Why is it the final whistle? Because you interview players at the final whistle. So there you go. There you go. Started. Um, just massive thank you to all the support this year. Hopefully you and all your loved ones have an amazing Christmas and New Year. And just, yeah, thank you for just putting up with our absolute bullshit and nonsense <laughs> for nine months now, I think it's been since we started, give or take. Seven eight, seven, eight months, I don't know. But just, it's been an awesome ride and definitely just the beginning. This has been Rugby Connection, episode 13, and we will see you next time.